One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, good day, everybody. Welcome back to School of the Holy Spirit, where we've been diving deep into our Wisdom-Filled Warrior series. I believe this is part 24. And, um, you know, the last time uh, we got together, I talked about a pretty controversial subject in the church, the concept of tithing. Um, And I started to highlight the contrast between tithing in the Old Testament versus tithing in the New Testament. Um, Of course, tithing in the Old Testament is under the law of Moses, tithing in the New Testament is under the Holy Spirit. And there's a vast contrast in the concept and uh, the giving of the heart in, in uh, between both of those. And so I want to dive in deeper um, into Malachi 3. Um, had more great questions uh, this week. Um, obviously, uh, with that topic, uh, you know, being such a controversial element, um, it's not just a controversial element in the church. It's actually crucial in your personal deliverance. And, you know, you may not think that that concept or that topic, the topic of uh, Malachi 3 and the, uh, understanding the storehouse um, versus the tithe um, and why it's important in the, in the realm of deliverance, it's actually absolutely crucial that you realize what Christ accomplished and what Christ fulfilled so that you are not doctrine bound, but you are Holy Spirit bound. Amen. Jesus never called anybody to be doctrine oriented, um, thinking that you have uh, life because of a certain doctrine. You actually have life from the voice of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that can give life is the voice, the, the one who resurrects. Amen. And so I want to talk today about two distinct topics, um, uh, the salt, uh, the salt covenant in particular, and, and Jesus as the branch, because it's important that you recognize Jesus coming through the, the, the Davidic line. Okay. That's a promise of the Lord. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, uh, you know, talk in that, uh, on that topic in a lot more detail today. Um, But you need to wrap your mind around that and recognize and be able to discern if you're still functioning in the old. Because if you're still functioning in the old, remember Jesus actually called the Pharisees. um, He said, you are of your father, the devil. You are a a brood of vipers, right? In, in, In Matthew 23, you are a brood of vipers. You are dead men's bones. You are walking sepulchers. There is no life in you. I don't care if you know the scripture and what the scripture says. You are following the law. You are trying to make the law your God instead of uh, finding the Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit, right? Um, And so if you don't, if you are not freed from the law, you are actually playing into the devil's hand because you begin trying to achieve righteousness instead of following the voice of righteousness. Two vastly different things, right? One, one, One brings death. One is unable to save. One is unable to deliver. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus actually resurrects you into the supernatural and makes you something you could never be on your own. Okay, and so um, I want to talk about the salt first here. And um, I actually talk about this in my first book quite a bit. Um, If you haven't read Key of David, um, that was my first book that was uh, published a few years ago. Uh, And there's there's a, a big portion of the book that talks about uh, King David and the salt covenant. Um, but here just within the last, uh, well, two years, the Lord came to me in this dream. And in this dream, uh, it's a very simple dream. I'm standing in my backyard and Jesus walks up to me and he's holding salt in his hands. And so we're standing face to face in my backyard and he dumps the salt on my 
on my property, um, on my land. And um, so there's this big pile of salt um, on on my land. And Jesus looks at me and he says, it's time to feed the 5,000. And the dream ended. Um, and that prompted, as you can imagine, a whole lot of questions about salt and why the, the Lord uh, came to me um, and, and unctioning me to begin um, understanding the salt, embracing the salt, recognizing um, the, the covenant that's offered in salt. And I'm going to get into that here. Um, the salt is a very significant thing in the life of David. Um, and, and just so you're aware, Jesus currently today sits on the throne um, that is David's throne. Okay, that was the promise of the Father that that uh, David's Davidic, his Davidic line, is where the the Messiah would come through. Okay, and so more to come on that here in a second, guys. But um, in in uh, you know Second Samuel chapter chapter seven, there's this interesting conversation. David has matured. Um, He's been king for a while, and uh, he is—he's basically, um, you know, taken back Israel. He's not only taken back Israel; he's driven um, the opposition out of Israel. And uh, there's a, there's an aspect that you get the sense that David is entering rest. David is entering a season of um, transitioning out of war and into sitting as a king and he begins to be concerned it's almost like he has time to think um and he's like wait a minute i have all this stuff i have all i have this palace i have this place to sit but the lord actually has no home he doesn't have um you know the ark the ark is 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 you know it's, the ark is not setting sitting the ark is not sitting in a place um that is a lavish you know, what we would call a lavish church building today. Okay. Um, and so David, David's sitting around, he's sitting around with the prophet Nathan. And again, this is second Samuel chapter seven. Um, he starts saying, Hey, Nathan, what do you think? I think I should, uh, I should think we should build the Lord a, a lavish house. Right. And David, you know, Nathan, Nathan is not functioning as a prophet in this moment. He's just functioning as David's friend. And he says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, right? He he says, yeah, let's do it, right? And um, so, you know, they hatch out a plan in one afternoon that they're just, they're going to build a place for the ark of the Lord, the presence of God, to actually rest for the people to gather around. And so um, <clears throat> the Lord wakes Nathan up that night and he, he, he speaks to Nathan and um you know, the Lord basically says this to Nathan. He says, tell David that he's not going to build me a house. I'm going to make him a house. Okay. And when he says uh, this, the Lord gives three promises in that declaration that David is not going to build me a house. I'm actually making David a house. Okay. So wrap your mind around this. This is the beginning of the revelation that the Holy Spirit is going to come through Christ and rest in your heart. No longer does it rest in a building, but the presence of God declared through the Davidic covenant with David that I'm going to make you the house. You are the house, right? No longer, get this in your mind, guys. No longer does the presence of God circle around a building or, or any organization or any concept. It actually the promise to David is, I'm making you my place of dwelling. You are my dwelling place, right? And I mean, that, if, if, you think, if you think about this, um, you can actually begin to wrap your mind around the concept of the psalmist in Psalm 91, where, where you know, David says, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High and under the shadow of the Almighty. David's heart in that psalm is actually becoming... Um, aligned with the Lord saying, I'm going to be housed in you. You're going to be housed in me. I'm going to be housed in you. You're going to be housed in me. Together, we are united together. I I rest in your heart and you wrap your arms around me. You hold me tight because I'm, I'm with you, right? 
So there's an alignment. There's this spiritual um, connection through each other's will. It is the will of God that I make you a house. It is the will of the psalmist that I'm going to dwell in the secret place. So together, this, this there's this intertwining connection, spirit to spirit, united. Um, I'm with you forever. You're with me forever. I'm committed to you forever. I love you with my whole heart, my whole mind, my all my strength, everything. I'm giving everything to you, right? And so... Um, Back to what this this covenant with David means. Um, so when the Lord wakes up Nathan and says, you, you tell David he's not building me a house, I'm making him a house. There's three promises that came with this. Um, and this is actually called the salt covenant um, in, in different places in scripture. Um, three The three promises are that I am with you and will fight your battles. Um, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries, right? Wherever you are, I am in the war. I am the one doing the war for you. I'm going before you and making a way, and I am your rear guard. I am the one who releases my angels out of heaven, right? This is the Lord's declaration to David that no matter where you go, <laughs> my promise of war, my promise of um, invasion, of domination of the enemy that's my promise to you, David, right? The second, the second promise is that your descendants will sit on thrones, right? That, that David's children, right? Solomon sat on the throne. He was given wisdom. Um, but the more important element of this promise is that Jesus would come in the Davidic line as a son of David, right? The scripture says that Jesus is the son of David, that's the promise of the father to David and David, or I'm sorry, Jesus sits today on the throne of David. Okay. That's very important. Why is that important? Because as you are in Christ, you also sit on the throne as a descendant of David. So all the promises that were given to David are given to you, right? That's the Davidic covenant. That is the, the salt, right? That Jesus um, uh, gave as a symbol to David um, in, in this covenant. Okay. Um, and the third promise is the actual, what, what the actual command to, uh, Nathan was, which was tell David, he's not building me a house. I am making David a house. And so the third, the third promise is I will make you a house or in, in, in this case, in the context so we can connect it to the, the prophecy in Malachi, because I want to go back there again today. Um, I will make you a house or I will make you a storehouse. I will make you the place that I pour out my spirit. I will make you the place where I give you dreams and visions. I build you. I will give you the place where I put clothing on you, where I put jewels on you, where I put my crown on you, where I put my sword in your hand, where I put my armor on you, where I put my breastplate of righteousness on you, where I put feet shod with the gospel of peace on you, where I put all this supernatural equipping on you. I will make you a storehouse. I will lavish you. I will decorate you. I will. Are you getting the picture, guys? And so when you think about this in the right context, in the in the in the context of the spirit of God, that he's making you a house and he's actually decorating you. You are his jewel. You are his crown of glory. And there's scriptures to back. There's a lot of scriptures to back this up. You, uh, number one, you've heard me testify and give you all kind of stories over the last, uh, you know, three, four, five months in this series. Um, not only supernatural stories of going out and getting people saved and, and getting them baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I spent a lot of time in this series talking about the Lord coming to me and equipping me, putting clo cloth, clothing on me, putting a prayer shawl on me, putting a new crown, a new sword in my hand. Um, that lines up, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of scripture that supports this, but like if you go to uh, Isaiah 61, um, in the declaration of the Spirit of God being upon Christ and Christ giving the Holy Spirit to the people, for, for healing the brokenhearted, bringing sight to the blind, setting the captive free. If you go to the end of, uh, you know, Isaiah 61, it talks about sons and daughters being lavished, being decorated with crowns, jewels, uh, supernatural clothing, uh, you know, anointings. The, the cloth represents different anointings, abilities, okay? 
And so I just want to encourage you, man. I mean, you should expect to be equipped in your prayer time. You should be, you should expect under the salt covenant of David, um, to be equipped. Um, it's, it's your birthright. Okay. It is your birthright to be equipped. Not, not because you go memorize scripture and understand scripture differently. It's because you know, the Holy spirit and in your relationship with the Holy spirit, he comes and begins to fill up the storehouse. Okay, he begins to come and fill up you as a storehouse of heaven on earth, as one who is equipped by the power of the Holy Ghost in the supernatural. So this is a paradigm shift, right? This is an actual paradigm shift. David, in in this one interaction, in this one impartation from heaven through the prophet, basically has a paradigm shift, right? And so David recognizes that no longer does he have to think in the old covenant manner of having an ark in a lavish house. Oh my gosh, the presence of God is going to come upon me. How in the world did this happen in the Old Testament with a with a guy like David? It was a supernatural grace. It was a prophecy of things to come as uh, as we as sons and daughters of God through Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, right? It was the anointing that was on David that is promised through Christ to be poured out upon us, right? That is the, that is David as a king, as sitting on a throne and releasing the supernatural presence from a tent on Mount Zion, right? The tent on Mount Zion is a place where David wrapped his mind around this, where he goes and worships. He he literally lays by the ark. He he had the ability. All why you know? Think about this, guys. Everybody else who would touch the ark is struck down dead. Right? They would actually tie pomegranates around and a rope around the leg of the priest who went into the holy place to offer the blood sacrifices in the holy places, place where the ark was, where it sat under the, the uh, tent of Moses. Why? Because if he came in without a worthy sacrifice, he was struck dead, right? And they would drag the priest out dead in the old covenant. How in the world does David get this oil poured on him and is transformed into this supernatural house of God where he can literally lay under the tent that he built on Mount Zion and the people get to come because of one man's love for God and the people in Jerusalem literally are coming to Mount Zion because the presence of God and the, and the voice of God is being poured out under the tent of David and the supernatural presence of God is coming and people are being literally hit by the glory of God and they're they're hearing the Lord they're singing songs they're 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 uh prophetically speaking through visions and dreams and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit under the tent of David they're not going to the synagogue only the religious dead people are in the synagogue right at the time of of David but those who who were being awakened to life in the spirit and the supernatural grace of the presence of God were in the tent of David Right. And that, that's the revelation that David functioned in. That's that is the supernatural that David was able to release wherever he went. And as a son of God, you've got to wrap your mind around that, that you carry the presence of the Lord. And wherever you go, you are introducing the Lord to the people through the prophetic, through the healing, gift of healing, through the um, gift of discernment, through the gift of wisdom, through tongues and interpretation of tongues, you are actually releasing the voice of God to the people, right? That's that's the key. That's the key. That's the person who has a mind that is centered on the outpouring of the Spirit and the tent of David versus a person's mind who's set on the law of Moses and the dead synagogue. Amen. And so the promise uh, of Christ coming um, is given in many places, uh, but in particular with respect to this salt covenant, this this covenant given to David. Uh, there's there's a scripture in Isaiah twenty two twenty two that the Messiah would carry the key of David on his shoulder. Right. That's also referenced um, in um, Revelation 
uh, chapter 3, that the key of David is on the shoulder of Christ, right? What does that mean? The key, right? I will, Jesus said in, in Matthew 16, I will give you the keys. I will uh, equip you with my Holy Spirit. I will give you the keys, meaning I will give you visions, dreams. I will be with you. You are my storehouse. You are the one that, I, that, I pour, that I've poured my presence into. I will speak to you. The, and every voice, everything I speak to you is a key, right? Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Amen. My God, if that doesn't get you fired up, my, my goodness, as a son of God, that you are functioning in the Davidic uh, call of, 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 that was on David. You are functioning in the salt covenant that Christ is with you. He, he'll be an enemy to your enemies. He'll be an adversary to your adversaries. That your descendants, what you reproduce in the spirit, will sit on thrones, the same throne of Christ. Right? The same throne where Christ sits on, which is David's throne. Um, and and he, he because he's making you a house, you are the house. You are the storehouse of the Spirit of God. And and one of the most um awesome promises in the book of Amos nine eleven, it says, After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, meaning the place where not only did was David the house of God, but David in his worship of the Lord and his use of the gifts of the Spirit actually created a place where those who did not know the Holy Spirit could come and dwell in the presence of the Lord under the tent of David, right? And that's, that's the prophecy that I will rebuild the tent of David. And that's really what the church is to look like today, guys. The tent of David, the place of the outpouring of the spirit of prophecy. The voice of God is the centerpiece. The, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit is the centerpiece. Um, and instead, we have churches that look more like dead synagogues doing routines and, and teaching um, Old Testament scripture instead of embracing the the holy spirit and the outpouring of the authority and dominion and power and love the actual burning love for the presence of the lord which is the davidic salt covenant that the lord is releasing in this hour and my god i mean when i think of i didn't ask for the salt i don't even know what the salt was literally two and a half, three years ago, whenever the Lord came to me in this dream and he basically wanted to awaken me. Let me tell you this. I never wrote a book. I never wrote one book until the Lord came with salt on my property. I was prophesied for 15 years. I had people coming up to me in 2005 when I was first baptized in the Holy Ghost, giving me these lavish supernatural dreams and visions they had of me, um, saying, you're going to write books. I had this one guy saying, you're going to pull out the devil's tongue and you're going to begin to write and it's going to flow out of you. And there's going to be book after book. I see you sitting at um, book signings and, and doing all these things. Um, and I'm telling you this um, only because I could not write. There was nothing that came out of me. Nothing. There was no book that came out of me until Jesus came to me and poured salt on my land, on my property. And he oh, he, he basically awakened me to the to the Davidic covenant, to the revelation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly the Holy Ghost wasn't just a peace of the Bible or a piece of the gospel, the Holy Spirit became the centerpiece because the revelation of the promise to David that I will make you a house shifted everything. It actually allowed me to be delivered from this this concept in Malachi that I talked to you about last time, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in a in a, in a minute here. But um, you've heard me say before that when I went to India, you know, the Lord told me the first time I went to India, I didn't bring you here to teach about the Bible, I brought you here to introduce me, right? And that goes in line, that goes hand in hand with, I will make you a house. I'm pouring my salt out on your property. I'm, I'm in covenant with you, okay? And this salt is a big deal, guys. This salt is a big deal. And, G, you know, um, G, Jesus actually says, actually, let me back up. Um, in the old covenant, um, when you brought a uh, an offering to the altar, it had to be salted, okay? Symbol, it, and it was a it was a symbol that um, 
the the Lord is is with you. It, it was it was brought um, as a flavoring, as a um, you know, once salt gets in something, you can't get salt out. You can't. It's not like you can get the flavor out. Okay, salt. Um, once it once it is imparted, it changes the flavor of the meat. It changes, and and the sacrifices brought to the altar had to be salted. Okay, that's in uh, Leviticus two thirteen. Um, and Jesus actually said this in Matthew five thirteen. He says, "You shall be salt of the earth." He wasn't. <laughs> I've heard a lot of teachings on this, and there, you know, a lot. Most of it is superficial in its. Yeah, Jesus has a flavor. Um, he's a great flavor, you know, and there, you, can, you can get into just the flavor concept. But the bigger meaning of Jesus saying that you are the salt of the earth in Matthew 5.13 is he's referencing the salt covenant that, the, that, that he had with David in that I will be an enemy to your enemies, your children, your, your descendants will sit on thrones. The ones that you go and get baptized in the Holy Ghost, they will sit in Christ on the throne of David as well. And I will make you a house. I will make you the storehouse of God where I come to you in dreams and visions. That's the essence of the storehouse, guys. Dreams and visions, dreams and visions, dreams and visions poured out upon you. And I will reveal to you who you really are in Christ as a descendant, as a warrior king and a priest, one who loves me, one who worships me, one who walks in the authority because I give him the keys, right? The Matthew 16 keys. I will give you whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already loosed in heaven. It's because of the salt. It is because Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, the salt is the, is the Holy Ghost. The salt of God literally flavors you in a way that you couldn't salt yourself, right? You cannot salt yourself. You have to get this in your head. You cannot salt yourself. You cannot study enough scripture. You cannot like figure try to figure things out um on your own that you are salted by the holy spirit what makes me salty what makes me supernatural is when i get a vision the lord sends me to a place and all of a sudden a hundred people are on their face weeping because i give a prophecy that releases a salt it releases something upon people that i don't carry on my own and so all I can claim in Christ is I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and I've come to give you the salt, the vision of the Lord to salt you. Amen. Think of it this way. When I go and prophesy out of people, I'm salting them. Okay. When you get a vision and a dream for other people, it's like you are getting, you are getting this ability to go salt them that they would become a sacrifice worthy on the altar. Okay, that one day that they would be transformed by the salt so profoundly that they would be able to become a living sacrifice. And I'll get to the concept of a living sacrifice, if not today, um, maybe in the um, the next session. But being a tithe, being a true tithe is being a living sacrifice. Okay. And so I want to connect the dots here with with another scripture and the concept of Jesus as the branch. Okay. In Zechariah 6, verse 12, I'm going to read verse 12 through 14. Um, it says, Then say to Joshua the high priest, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, a man, um, the Messiah, whose name is the branch, right? The Messiah, who is the branch. For he shall branch out from his place in Israel, and he shall build the ultimate temple of the Lord. Yes, verse 13, yes, you are a builder of the temple of the Lord. And it is he, and I'm reading out of the Amplified, guys. So that's why there's a lot more understanding here. Continuing with verse 13. Yes, you are a builder of the temple of the Lord. Who's the temple? You are. Not a building, not an organization, people. You're building people. You are a builder of the temple of the Lord, the storehouse of God, the place that he makes his throne on a person's heart. It is he who shall build the ultimate temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the honor and majesty as begotten of the Father and sit and rule in his throne, on the throne of people's hearts. This is the guy called the branch, right? He shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between the two offices, meaning the priest and the king. What is the king? The king is a symbol of authority. Did Jesus not say, and many times, especially in the book of Revelation, you are priests and kings. 
your priests and kings. What's a priest? A priest is a lover of God who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, right? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, right? You are a priest in the new covenant. You don't have to go through a mediator. You don't have to go through a Catholic priest. You don't have to go through another man. You go directly to Lord. You are his priest. And the king, the concept of a king is as you are in worship as a priest to the Lord, you get to function in the kingship and the authority of God where you are given keys, supernatural visions, dreams, abilities to rule on the earth through the voice of the Lord because Jesus sits on David's throne the outpouring of the Holy Ghost comes through um, this double portion anointing, the king and the priest. Amen. But I want to I want to just pause for a second and focus on Zechariah 612 is pointing to the coming Messiah whose name is the branch. The term branch is is the uh, Hebrew word netzer. It's a it's a it's a word meaning descendant. Uh, uh, or branch, right? Um, so a Nazarite, Jesus was a Nazarite, right? A Nazarite means one who who is uh, a netzer, a a, uh, a a the place of the branch. Okay, the prophecy of the coming one of the branch. So when it says that Jesus is a Nazarite, it's it, it's an actual prophecy of the coming branch, the one who would be supernatural. So if you are, if you become a Nazarite right? You are people of the branch, right? If, you know, if, 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 and I'm not talking about the denomination of a, of a Nazarene. I'm talking about the prophetic symbolism of Jesus as a Nazarite. He's, the prophecy is you've come out of the branch, right? If you are people of the branch, you are coming out of the branch. Why is that so, why is that so important? Because when the, the, the Messiah is prophesied, it's actually coming out of the Davidic throne. Okay, Isaiah 11, verse 1, it talks about, um, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Who's Jesse? Jesse was David's father, right? And a branch shall grow out of his roots. He shall be baptized in the sevenfold spirit of God. He shall have understanding, wisdom, counsel, might. He shall have the the spirit of knowledge, right? We talked about what knowledge is. It's a spirit of intimacy. It's the spirit of knowing, um, the, the, the knowing of the spirit, the voice of God, right? The John 5, 19, I only do what I see my father do. Um, the visions and dreams and the spirit out of the spirit of knowledge produces the fear of God. So that sevenfold spirit of God is connected to the revelation of the coming Messiah, who is the branch, right? The shoot, the one who comes out of the Davidic line. He, the one who is a product of the salt covenant, the one who will come and offer you to be the house of God, the storehouse that your descendants will sit on thrones. And everywhere you go, the the Holy Ghost is with you. He will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Those are the three promises of the Davidic covenant, the branch. And as Jesus came as the branch, whenever you have, whenever you walk with Jesus as the branch, as the true Messiah of God, you literally begin to walk with the salt. Jesus comes to your property. He pours out salt on your property and the supernatural power of that salt covenant begins to flow out of you. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? My God, this should be getting you so fired up. This should be getting you so um, simplified in your need for the Holy Ghost and not a dead system. David had a revelation. Oh my God, the father just prophesied he's making me a house. And that's what the Lord is prophesying to you right now. He's making you a house. You don't need a dead system. You don't need a dead church. You don't need a, um, a, a place where God doesn't dwell. You need the place where the Lord said, I want your heart. I want the place of my dwelling. I want your heart. Amen. Are you with me? When I had that revelation and it was as simple as the Lord is sending me to India to get tens of thousands of people baptized in the Holy Ghost because he wants to set up his throne on Hindus hearts. He wants to literally eradicate the idol worship in their heart, right? My goodness, the salt covenant 
is a foundational aspect of Christ coming to the earth in the prophecies of Almighty God sending the Messiah who will come in the prophecy of the Davidic covenant, the salt covenant with David. Amen. And so this is important because only in the gifting of the Davidic covenant is is there an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be able to pray the way David prayed in the tent of David. Okay, and how how did David pray in the tent of David? Well, great question. Let's go to Zechariah 12, verse 10. It says, I will pour out on the house of David. This is a prophecy of the coming restoration of the tent of David. Okay, what Christ would fulfill in his death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when he sits up his throne upon you, when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, what happens? You pray in tongues and prophesy, right? We've talked about that over the last few months, um, that when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you pray in tongues and prophesy. Is a It is a function of the salt. Is it, a, it is a supernatural release, a, a verification of the presence that you've been salted by the Holy Ghost, okay? I will pour out my, back to Zechariah 12.10, I will pour out upon the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they've pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his son. What he, what's he talking about here? He's talking about a desperate heart who seeks the presence of the Lord. How does he do it? How, how does he do it? He literally pours out his spirit upon you He pours out his supernatural presence upon you and you have a grace and supplication. What is a supplication? Supplication is a a form of prayer. It is a supernatural equipping, right? We've talked about praying in tongues and what tongues is for. Why why does the Lord give you tongues, right? Isaiah 28, 19. Um, and, and the super, I'm sorry, Isaiah 28 verse nine to 11, um, talks about the supernatural outpouring of the teacher, right? The branch that actually is in reference to the branch, the one who teaches you. Okay. The one who pours out his spirit, the one who salts you, the one who makes you supernatural. Amen. That supernatural power is a function of the spirit is, it is a supernatural grace it is a supernatural power. It is something that you can't do on your own. It is a function of the salt. It is a function of the kingdom of heaven. It is a absolute verification that the Lord has salted you. And every time you pray in the Holy Ghost, guess what? There's salt. The salt covenant is being invoked on your behalf. It's being demanded. It's being enforced. It's being inspected that your descendants will sit on thrones, that you will have fruit in the spirit, right? You will have sons and daughters in the spirit, supernatural grace and ability poured out on people, right? That he will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. That's what happens when you pray in tongues. What, and you've heard me reference this many times. John 16, verse 11, one of the three things the Holy Spirit does when he comes, it says that he brings judgment upon Satan. He brings judgment upon the demonic powers. And, and it is a crucial revelation in the context of you becoming a deliverance minister in driving dem- demonic powers out of yourself, in di- driving demonic powers out of your family and out of the people in your church bodies and your in your communities. Driving out demons is a function of the Holy Spirit coming to bring judgment upon Satan. And it is directly connected to the salt covenant of David, where the Lord says, I will be an adversary to your adversaries. My God, I will be an enemy to your enemies. I will come to bring my dominion on your behalf and bring deliverance to you. My goodness, that gets me fired up. And you know, you want to understand why I pray in tongues? Because it's like, come on, Holy Ghost. I know I need, I know I need your power and authority. I know I need you to invade this place and to bring the supernatural judgment of Almighty God upon my enemies. Amen. So Jesus as the branch. Let's talk about Jesus as the branch. Amen. So going deeper in this concept of Jesus as the branch. Because there, there's there's so much more here, and you, we have to connect it back to Malachi, okay? 
because I had a lot of people <laughs> last week, you know, when I, when those religious devils get confronted and the livelihood of what, you know, or actually the false foundation of people thinking what makes you righteous and what makes you delivered, what makes you um, achieve the kingdom, so to speak, in the old covenant, um, you know, when that stuff gets confronted and those idols literally get uh, exposed, you know, people don't know how to handle it. And pe people don't know how to um, literally embrace the deliverance and freedom that's offered in the freedom of the spirit um, versus the conditions of the law. Okay. And last time in, in, um, in the, we talked about the book of Malachi in chapter three. And by the way, Malachi, there's, there's a spiritual context of the book of Malachi, right? Malachi um, is, he's the last guy documented in the old Testament to hear the voice of the Lord, right? There was 400 years between Malachi and the coming of Christ, right? There was a, there was an imprisonment. There was no buddy, um, present hearing the voice of God. Okay. And, and so Malachi is a pretty important book because it is a, it is a prophecy. It is not, we talked last time about seeing, uh, reading Malachi as a condemnation of the law versus prophetic eyes releasing the coming um, promise of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ and the Davidic line of the salt covenant, okay? And so we talked, and I want to emphasize this point because um, Malachi is prophesying the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the branch, the coming of the one who would release the salt covenant to those baptized in the Holy Ghost, he says in verse 1, uh, Malachi 3, verse 1, Behold, I am coming to send my messenger, my branch. He will prepare and clear the way before me. And the Lord, the Messiah, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. What is the temple, guys? The temple is not a church building. The temple is not a, a denomination. The church is not, uh, or, or the, the temple is not the uh, Catholic church. It's not the Methodist church. It's not the... Um, you know, the Lutheran church. It's not the charismatic movement. It is not the Pentecostal denomination. The temple is you. The temple is your heart. And it's the prophecy is the coming of the Messiah who will sit up his throne in his house, his storehouse, his place where his covenant his salt covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. That's a prophecy of Jesus coming. I'm prophesying to you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Messiah, the branch is coming to set up his throne in your heart. He's coming to make his home and he's going to lavish you. He's going to make his home supernatural. He's going to make his home um, a place of the gifts of the spirit, a place of the voice of God, a place of crowns and jewels and and lavished outpouring of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Verse two, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand uh, when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap, right? He is the one, his voice is the one who washes you, right? Not the Bible, his voice. Jesus Christ, the living God, the one known as the word of God. In Revelation 19, it says, Jesus Christ is the word of God. Right? He has eyes of fire, robe dipped in blood. He has a, a, many crowns on his head. His eyes are, are piercing like fire. He has word, he has his name written upon him called the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. He is the one who speaks. He is the one. He is living and he sets up his throne to speak to you on your heart, making you the storehouse of heaven. You are the place. He is a refiner's fire. He changes you. And just like Jeremiah said, his word is like fire in my bones. It literally transforms you. It confronts you. It equips you. It establishes you. And it makes the salt covenant come to fruition in your life. Amen. That is so important as the context of going into the rest of Malachi chapter 3 that you don't see Malachi 3 is a condemnation of the law. Instead, you see it as a prophecy of the coming of the, the one who will baptize in fire, right? The, J John the Baptist 
who was the end of the old covenant, prophesied there was one coming who is greater, whose sandals I am not worthy to walk in. He will baptize you in what? The Holy Ghost and fire, meaning he will speak directly to you. That is the only place fire comes from, from his voice, guys, from the power of the of the one who broke the veil, who you no longer are on the outside, but you are in the presence of the throne room, hearing the voice of the one who speaks in dreams and visions and prophecy, and he transforms you, he clothes you. My God, I think I'm ready to preach today. Amen. My God, he is the one who comes as the refiner's fire who does to you what you couldn't do yourself. He is the one who literally makes his abode in your home and and initiates the salt covenant. He salts you. He makes you salty. He makes you supernatural. He makes you something you could never be, right? There's people all over the earth thinking they're in in the right place, thinking they're in in a Christian place where they've gone to the altar, but they've never been salted. (laughs) Are you with me, church? Because there's only one thing that can salt you. There's only one thing that can transform you. And that is the Holy Ghost. That is the one who literally speaks out of heaven. The one, the word of God who comes out of heaven with eyes burning like fire with the armies of heaven coming at the sound of the voice of the Lord to make you salty, to make you supernatural, to make you something you could never be on your own. Right? There's all kind of denominations saying just come to the altar, but they have no salt. Are you with me? They they don't offer the Holy Ghost. They aren't centered on the Holy Ghost. They aren't centered on making you the house of God because they're set up as the storehouse. They are the ones set up trying to bring the people in to bring the money out of the pocket of the people to their storehouse. And that is a lie from the devil because the Lord says, I don't, I don't make places my storehouse. I make men, I make sons and daughters my storehouse. You are my storehouse. Okay? So, listen guys, if you see for, through those eyes, and I'm giving you prophetic eyes right now, I'm giving you the eyes to see through the Holy Ghost. I'm offering you something that most people can't see on their own. I'm offering you the salt. I'm offering you the opportunity to be a salted sacrifice on that altar instead of a bland sacrifice that has no taste. It has no flavor. (laughs) I'm not going to go down that path, but you get the picture, right? You get the picture. And so when you see this under the context of a salted sacrifice, Malachi chapter 3 verse 9 It says this, bring the whole tithe, bring what is put on the altar into the storehouse, right? He's he's not talking about money out of your pocket. He's not talking about um, you just putting money in an offering basket and sufficing what the old covenant required. He's now talking about you are a tithe and you better come with salt. And the only worthy tithe is a sacrifice on the altar that is salted. One who is with me in spirit. One who is with me in the power of of the Davidic covenant, the salt of the earth. That you are supernatural in the earth because you hear my voice. Because you are a place of worship. a, A place of continual worship of my presence. Amen. So when the, when, the, when the prophecy, when Malachi is prophesying here, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he's talking about your prayer life. He's talking about you coming into your prayer life every day with a supplication, with a prayer life that is worthy of the salt covenant. Continuing with the verse, so that there may be food in my house. What's he talking about? What well, We talked last time about Paul using the analogy of of food right in in hebrews chapter 5 he corrects the 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 church he corrects the hebrews who once were baptized in the holy ghost but the judaizers right the people who brought the old covenant law back into the house and no longer were they voice driven they were now back into the system of deadness they were now back into the old covenant that had no ability to save because the people had to go through a priest a levite they had to go through a Levite that could only uh, um, appease sin for a time 
They couldn't literally break the veil and bring the people. See, the, 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 the key about the Davidic covenant is that the blood of Jesus is the living sacrifice. It appeases, it actually suffices the debt. It suffices um, everything needed to break the veil, to bring the body, to bring everybody to hear the voice of the Lord. Everybody is to hear the voice of the Lord. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are for the body. The gifts of Jesus are for leaders to be the platform that ensure that the body hears the voice, not that the body is condemned into putting money in an offering basket. That's old covenant twisting of scripture. It's old covenant. It's actually demonic in nature. Okay? It's, it's, it's seeing Malachi 3 through the eyes of the law, which Jesus said is demonically inspired, right? He called the Pharisees vipers, dead men bone. They put heavy burdens on the people in Scripture, forcing them to bring money. They had to, the only way you could get into the synagogue was to bring your temple tax. And many of you are sitting in places where the only way you get into the door is to bring your temple tax. And if you don't bring your temple tax, you are actually chastised from the pulpit. You are shunned from the pulpit. You are condemned from the pulpit. You are made to be something of lesser value because of your tithing situation. And that's a, that's a twisted demonic lie, okay? Because Jesus is saying here, he's actually, this is a prophecy. Bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, meaning that in your heart, I am going to um, bring to fruition the fullness of the salt because you are in, just like David's tent, you are praying in the Holy Ghost. You are in a prayer life. And together, you, we, I, I receive your tithe as worthy. It is salted. You are the tithe, right? Jesus, or actually Peter said this, that you are a living sacrifice. That you are to offer yourself up a living, living sacrifice. What's he talking about? He's talking about you worshiping the Lord in with the supplication of the Holy Ghost, that you are bringing the salt, that you are put first putting your salt on the Lord, a worthy sacrifice in the presence of God, praying in the Holy Ghost, being in the Lord's presence, hearing his voice. And he then equips his house to go to the ends of the earth. Amen. So, I'm, man, I'm getting fired up today, but listen. This is foundational for your deliverance. This is foundational for you to be set up in an absolute dependence on the voice and the holy the voice of God and the Holy Ghost only. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, meaning he is the fulfillment that that literally tears the veil and brings you into the kingdom. So it's your choice, guys. Do you want to live in the kingdom where the voice is the driver, or do you want to live outside the veil where you keep going back? For, for more um, understanding of old covenant scripture and philosophy and trying to work it all out when Jesus is actually saying, I am the one who fulfilled the, the law and the prophets and you have access to the voice, the one who salts you. <laughs> Amen. So for, I'm going to read this again. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food, provision. Oh, let me, let me, I, I got way off track. Um, back to Hebrews chapter five. When, the, when, when, when Paul was correcting the Hebrews who were going back to old covenant function, Paul said this, you're drinking milk and not eating meat. What's he, what's he pointing to? He's talking about the salt. He's talking about the uh, voice of the Lord being the centerpiece of the church and not, um, doctrinal, uh, old covenant processes, right? He's basically saying you are not bringing a worthy sacrifice. You are, you actually are going through the motions. You're looking more like the synagogue than you are the new covenant church, because in the new covenant Davidic salt covenant of David, the branch said, I will make you a house. You are the house of God. You will hear my voice. You and, and Paul, Paul is saying, you guys have fallen away from that. You have literally gone back to a system. You've gone back to a system. You've gone back to um, three songs, the first and second stanza, a five-minute can speech, and out the door you go. A box-checking operation. Oh, and by the way, put your money in a bucket. 
yeah, that's a temple tax. And I, I have, I have, I, listen, guys, that's such a lie. It is such a lie. That's a Levite system. If you want to stay in a Levite system, have at it. But I'll never stay in a Levite system. If you are being condemned to put money in a bucket, then you're in a Levite system. And I, I, I'll get into giving. You know, there, there's an aspect of giving, the ultimate giving. Jesus is asking for your whole heart. You are the living sacrifice. Why? Because the whole body is empowered to hear the voice of the Lord. And together you become supernatural because when he says this 10 people, you're doing this and you're going to go do that. This other 10 people, you're going to start a deliverance ministry. You're going to cast devils out of people all um, all year long. You're going to go start a drug uh, deliverance group and and the, the church becomes an army barracks because you are living sacrifices you are salted you become the salt of the earth you can't be stopped because the salt once you put salt in something you can't get salt out of it amen amen so continuing on the lord says test me now in this the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon you blessings until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you. <laughs> the rebuking of the devourer. It's important. Guys, listen. Um, I, do, I do a lot of deliverance with people. I do a lot of, you know, bringing people into the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people can't wrap their mind on the simplicity of the Holy Spirit and re receiving the Holy Spirit because they've been trained for decades since they were young children in dead denominational systems where they learned the law, where they were condemned repeatedly under the law, where they were condemned with by, by not putting their money in a bucket. They were condemned by, by not paying their temple tax. They were condemned if they didn't go confess to a priest, never really knowing the high priest, Jesus Christ. Okay? And so... Why does the Lord put his promise of opening up the windows of heaven and rebuking the devourer? Because it's the promise. This is the salt covenant, guys. Can't you see the salt covenant here? Rebuking the devourer. I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Opening up the windows of heaven. I will speak to you. I will pour out my spirit upon you. That you will have dreams and visions and you will prophesy, you will become supernatural, I will give you the keys, all the supernatural stuff will be poured out to you. But it happens all the way back in verse 9, when you bring your tithe into the storehouse. When you bring a worthy, salted sacrifice into the storehouse. And people say, well, I thought the Holy Spirit was an optional thing. No way, guys. There's, there, there is no way you can enter the kingdom without the Holy Ghost. It is the it is the Holy Spirit, the anointing, right? David, the only difference David had in the old covenant compared to Saul and the rest of those jokers, or the rest of those guys who were playing church, the rest of those guys who, who had a mask on, who were falsely representing the kingdom. What made David great was the oil, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And so the equivalent um, is the giving of the Holy Ghost. Jesus came and he gave one thing. He says, I'm coming to bring the kingdom. The kingdom is in your hand. I'm coming to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Stay in this city. Do not leave this city until I pour out my spirit upon you and you will have food in your storehouses. You will have meat, so to speak. You will be made supernatural. The keys of heaven will be given in your hand, right? All of the supernatural power of the spirit. It is the spirit of God in John 16. Verse 7, 11, it says, when the Holy Ghost comes, this is Jesus' words. He says, when the Holy Ghost comes, he will do three things. He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness. And he will bring judgment upon Satan. What does that mean? He will convict you of sin, meaning that under the blood of Christ, you are set free from sin and no other. You cannot work under the law. You cannot achieve in any giving of money. You can't achieve it in any other way. You can't, right? There's only one who fulfilled the law. That's Jesus Christ. So in Christ, you are made free from sin. And without it being in Christ, if you're trying to achieve anything under the law, Paul said, you better try to do it all. Because unless you do all the law, you're not there. Otherwise, you go to Christ. 
Christ is is the one, the cross, the the vertical and the horizontal, the one who literally um, breaks down the middle wall of separation. He is the mediator. He is the high priest. He is the one who takes you into the holy place to hear the voice of God. He is the one who defeats what separates you from heaven, Jesus Christ. And he does it by baptizing you in the Holy Spirit which is the verification, the ability to pray with supplication, the ability to hear the voice of the Lord, the ability to to, to bring a salted sacrifice every day in prayer to the presence of the Lord, to be built by the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, which is the voice, dreams, visions, and prophecy being poured out into you, making you something that you could not exist, that that did not exist before, making you something that you could not do on your own. And I I keep testifying to you guys. I keep praying that you wrap your mind around this, that you dedicate your life to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost only, because it is the Holy Ghost and his ability to speak into your life that releases the salt covenant and grows you and makes you something that you never were, right? Makes you something that you could never be on your own. And And all I can do to you guys is testify to you. He came to me in a dream. Right? He came to me on the night I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the next thing you know, I'm casting demons out of people. He came to me um, in, in, in a dream. And, and the next thing you know, I'm standing in front of thousands and thousands of people in India, baptizing thousands of pastors and thousands of people in India in the Holy Ghost, introducing them, making them the house of the Lord by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He comes to me with this salt. He pours, why me? He comes to me and pours salt on my land, salt on my property and awakens this new revelation and the ability to write books and the ability to to do this. Amen. He he unveils in sequence. He unveils in, in growth. He unveils by building his house. He builds you. You are the storehouse. You are the storehouse. Amen. You need to say that with me. I am the storehouse of God. I am the storehouse of God. I pray that the fear of God comes upon every one of you. By the grace of God, that the fear of God comes upon every one of you in the hearing of what I just messaged you. Uh, In the hearing of this liberating message that you would lay down everything you know about church and literally think literally be able to trust the Holy Spirit saying, oh my gosh, I've been duped. I've been, I've been duped by a system. I've been duped by um, something that isn't supernatural. I've been duped by trying to achieve something. I've been duped by trying to um, make myself righteous when all I have to do is lay on my face, cry out to Jesus Christ to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and pray, pray, pray in the Holy Ghost and watch him fulfill his promise that he would speak to me and that he would make me his house. He would make me the house of worship. He would make me something I could never be on my own. He would clothe me. He would ordain me in jewels. He would ordain me in gifts. He would ordain me because I've wrapped my heart around him as much as he's wrapped his heart around me, that I will dwell in a secret place in the most high and under the shadow of the almighty. Never lose focus of that guys. And I'll tell you that I'll tell you that till the cows come home. All the the calling to India, the calling where he wakes me up and tells me to go here, tells me to go there, um, doors he opens to send me, all of that is secondary to my prayer life. All of that is secondary to me in functioning in the revelation that I am the house of the Lord, that I am the place where he comes um, and and seeks a worthy sacrifice, seeks Somebody who brings a salted sacrifice, praying in the Holy Ghost, offering up incense, offering up your praise, your worship. Amen. So, guys, um, I just I just uh, I release upon you this hunger and thirst for the presence of the Lord in this in this revelation that you would thirst and hunger after him as much as he thirsts and hungers after you that together your hearts would be knit in simplification in a simplified revelation that my god loves me 
and he's making me the house of God. My God loves me, and he loves me so much that he's going to transform me. He's going to be an enemy to my enemies. He's going to um, cause my descendants to sit on a throne, and he's making me a house. Lord, I pray right now that you would give dreams and visions to every person hearing this. Lord, that you would come in dreams and reveal your salt. <laughs> that you would make them salty, that you would make them the salt of the earth, that they would walk into the world testifying of the one they know and the one they know only, that they would not be um, fighting with people in the church about following this rule and following that rule and not following this and doing this. All of that is secondary to do you know the Holy Ghost? Are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? Have you received the supplication that allows you to build the tent of David, the promise of the Father that Christ would sit on the throne of David and through Christ he would baptize in the Holy Ghost and fire and the tent of David would be built in the hearts of men. Lord, I pray that this grace would be released upon every person, Lord, that there would be an increase in dreams and visions that, Lord, that, that I pray right now and cry out for them. Lord, make me a house. Make me a house. Make me your house. Make me the place where you speak. Make me the place where you ordain your sons and daughters. Make me the place, Lord, where you clothe uh, me. Make me the place, Lord, where you equip me. Make me the place, Lord, I'm bringing you a salted sacrifice. Lord, and for every person here who is not baptized in the Holy Ghost, Lord, I release the power of the Holy Ghost upon them now. I command the, the uh, gifts of the Spirit to come upon them right now. In the name of Jesus, I command the wind of God to blow in their life, that they would dream dreams and see visions, Lord, that they would be salty, I prophesy that whoever is hearing this right now, you're going to be a salty Christian. You're going to be one who flavors the world. You're going to be one who brings the flavor of the kingdom of heaven to the earth. In the name of Jesus, let that grace come upon you right now. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Uh, it's been great uh, with, with you today. Uh, pray hard. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Simplify your life around the Holy Spirit and watch the trusting relationship with him grow and grow and grow as you literally in your heart decide to walk away from dead systems and embrace the simplicity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Have a great week, guys, and see you next week. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.